Hello and welcome to Just Fucking Win. Uh, today we're going to be doing both a review of the Hibs game, uh, where Rangers put in arguably their best performance of the season. We'll also be looking forward to the cup tie against Wraith. Uh, my name's Andrew and I'm joined by one of my very favourite podcasters, Dave. How are you doing, mate? Um, good, mate. Excellent. Boosted by that on Wednesday night. Yeah, it was an absolute uh, joy of a performance, really. Um, honestly, considering asking Rangers to move permanently to Edinburgh, because we seem, at least this season, to be saving all our good performances for there. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think you were at the game, but uh, how did you manage to go ahead and watch this one? Uh, just a, a wee quick jaunt overseas, courtesy <laughs> of uh, NordVPN, the number one choice for Rangers fans' digital security needs. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's a club sponsor as well, so, you know, it's all money into the club, right? Oh, right. Is that why they emailed me five minutes after the Rangers TV email window? Must be it. Must be it, yeah. Can't think of any other possible reason why. It's really part of the club's communication marketing strategy that I actually enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually on board with. Here's a link for the game for overseas customers. Oh, and oh by the uh, way, did you know? Yeah, NordVPN. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing they get right. Well, well you know, it's money into the club, right? So that's uh, that's a positive thing. Yep. So, yeah, uh, with uh, with our quick holidays abroad sorted, uh, we were able to take in the game on RTV, and um, unfortunately, we we didn't start off the game particularly well. I'll, I'll touch first on the squad. Uh, completely unchanged team from the from the previous week, which I think is the first time we might have seen that this season. Um, you know, any any shocks there for you, Dave, or, or was that kind of expected for you? Nah, the team was pretty much as expected for me. I think. Well, maybe Morelos stock there for generally back him to play in difficult away games. Mm-hmm. Uh, kept his spot. Again, quite a bit of reading into that done. I'm not sure there's too much to read into it, where we are with Morelos, I suppose. But other than that, team as expected. Can't really be asking him to start again. Yeah. It's a strong team. More importantly, I thought it was a very strong bench. There was players there who could have won us the game if things had started to go badly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We had Ravi Matondo there, so you know we've got we've got game changers <laughs> on the bench, obviously. Yeah, um, but no, you're right. I, I think um, with some some more players coming back to fitness, that's uh, that's only. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was much the same as you, man. I, I I was not surprised by any other team. I think the Morelos thing. It's interesting. Um, it's going to be a question of how much we see him play for the rest of the season. If Beal's made up his mind, if he thinks that he's going and wants to try and work with a player he knows he's going to be working with next season. Um, or, you know, if it's just a case of Charlotte's got the shirt, you're going to have to earn your way back. And as we'll come on to, that, that might be a bit tricky with uh, with some of these performances. Uh, but but let's let's get into the game itself. I think... As, as we said, we um, we had a, the kind of team that we wanted, but unfortunately we didn't have the start that we wanted. After only a few minutes, um, there is a free kick from Hibbs' side. They float a ball over the box. Uh, no one picks up uh, Hope or Hop at the back post. He heads across and uh, Golton diverts the ball into our net. This is all we fucking need, right? Yeah. It's, we had started to brighten the park a few times and thought, right, okay. Then again, it's a, a, it's the negative that I'm going to take for the game is this, that we're still quite soft-centred in certain respects and mm-hmm. the failure to pick up the runner off at the back post, the crosses not dealt with in the first instance, and we've given away a chance. They've scored with their first real attack. And ultimately, their only shot target, if you don't count the one that probably going in target when the guy tried to lob McGregor. <laughs> so again, we've got no a half chance and we're behind, we've got this unhappy habit 
the last 18 months to two years of going apart from the 55 season. Any chance is a go against this. It really needs remedy. That's a big warning sign that needs dealt with in the summer. Yeah, and it's although it's easy to point the figure directly at McGregor um, in terms of you know our overall vulnerability in terms of shots on target against us, that's the kind of thing that, that happens from all over the pitch as well. I don't think you can blame McGregor for this one, for instance. That's um, that's on the defender not being able to clear properly. Um, totally, it's it's not it's not McGregor's not really it's such it's the it's the failure to deal with the guy coming for the back post. Quite a simple tactic. So mm-hmm. it's sort of structural failings, individual failings, and in part of the defence there and the midfield and individual failings in the part of McGregor. So there's a coaching solution, I think, in terms of how we set up, how we defend, how switched on where the set pieces, but obviously wasn't really blaming McGregor for that, but the, the obvious problem that we're going to have is the fact that in the summer. Yeah, and I think um with McGregor probably should having should have retired at the end of last season, probably certain to retire at the end of this one. There's question marks over McLaughlin, and we're still yet to really see a sustained run from McCrory. So there's questions over, you know, is he just been unlucky in terms of his fitness? Because I know he's had a couple of injuries this season. Haven't, hasn't everyone else, right? Um, or it, or is it that Beal's not seeing enough from him in training? So I think regardless, there's definitely going to be at least a signing in that area uh, come this summer. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens in that sense. But the good thing was that that was pretty much the last thing that Alan McGregor had to do this game. Uh, afterwards, uh, Ray just put on a pretty sustained, uh, excellent performance. We, um, we're not, we're not going to go through every single moment that happened throughout the game. Although Dave, as I said, uh, just before we started, if there is anything in particular you want to pick up, just shout it out, man. Um, but we'll come to our first, uh, kind of foray up the box where Ken is pulled back from Egan Riley in the box. Uh, Kind of inexplicably, uh, this isn't immediately blown up as a penalty. Ref's looking directly at it. Uh, it has to go to a VAR check, and they don't take a lot of time to figure out this one as a penalty. Um, I mean, for you, Dave, any doubts about that, or are you just more shocked that it took that long to actually be awarded? No, screaming for it at the time. Clear as penalty, she de facto sort of penalty of that type. Mm-hmm. Pulls the trailing leg away. Don Robert, somehow <laughs> managing the worst. Of all Scottish refs, <laughs> and we are creating a severe curve here as well. So it's like you get the 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 Willie Collins that takes place against the backdrop of two football team is its own problem. Kevin Clancy that loves his whistle and likes to break play up, particularly when Rangers are attacking. But Don Robertson looks like a sort of enthusiastic amateur dad at his son's game who steps into referee without a full grasp of the rules. I think he's learning the rules as he goes. Sometimes Don Robertson he's, he's taking ask the players, but it's obviously. What's, is that, what, should you throw it over your head or can you just roll it in? Do we take kick-off on Sunday scores? He <laughs> looks like he's fucking learning the rules at the time. It, it, it baffles me how he's even in the top piece, never mind refereeing probably one of, certainly one of the two biggest games in the country. The guy is absolutely useless. I don't think he's particularly sort of bent or cheating like I think some of the other ones from time to time, but he is... Yeah, it was uh, it was an odd one, and uh, like I say, after it goes to VAR, I don't think they doubt there. Um, I, th- I think the only speculation is, you know, that the idea of awarding penalties to either side of the old firm 
probably fills referees with fear at the moment. I can't think yeah. what club might have contributed to the kind of negativity around the decision making that referees are making during games, but um, we are where we are. And I think it does take a bit of the pressure off the referees when they can turn to VAR and say, oh no, but the guys in the tent said it was a was a pen. So, you know, nothing to do with me, Gov. I think if we're being charitable, I think that's what he did. He thought, I'll just rely on VAR here a wee bit. And it's like, I think the charitable construction is that. The yeah. Charitable version of he, he might just useless. not be very good at his job. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, eventually we do get the penalty awarded. And, I mean, to be fair to Tab, it's a pressure situation. You know, we're at an away ground. Better teams than, than this one certainly have come to Easter Road and come up short. So it's not a foregone conclusion, but uh, for Tav, it seems like it is at the moment. That's his 97th penalty scored, and uh, we're back in the time. Jesus, that's some record. It was the same position he put the, the Kilmarnock one as well. Uh, mm-hmm. He usually breaks it up and gambles a wee bit. Obviously, they missed a few weeks ago, but uh, the guys, relentless. How many misses is it? Uh, yeah, uh, I, could, I couldn't possibly say. I don't have the stats to hand, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it's some record anyway from the spot. You know, penalties are not a gimme. They still have to be scored, and uh, his record on them so far has been pretty well consistent. So, so, exactly. so it's good. Yeah, exactly. One of the most particular I've seen. You can rely on them, and it's it's good. To, I think if the game had went on longer, at one 0 I just might have rallied a wee bit. I mean, the straight yeah. league, but. We took the wind out of sails, they'd barely finished celebrating when we were back in it, so it was a great time to get it. Yeah, there's four minutes between the goal, but I think about three of that are deciding if it was a penalty or not, so... Yep. Yeah, we're right back into it. And, um, you know, we continue to look really impressive. In particular, I think Campwell and Raskin are both demonstrating what they they are adding. But in addition, Ryan Jack looks amazing at the moment. And I know that we're obviously going to curse him because he'll pick up a knee knock or something can be ruled out for another six months. But at the moment, you know, th- those three in the midfield area look like the nailed on starters as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, don't cast back to the cup final too much, but if that's your midfield with the energy and intensity that it brought, mm-hmm. I think that it comes different. Jack was an absolute brick wall. Nothing get past him. He just yeah. swept as evidenced by his contribution for... Sakala's goal in the game, he's spotting it, exceptional. And Jackson, that form, he's in, he just dominates the mid, pushes us up the park constantly. Cantwell, of yeah. all the things I expected <laughs> I did not expect the reincarnation of Stuart McCall. <laughs> With worse he hair. Just, he's got his nice ribbons in there, yeah. uh, the other night, so he was looking good. <laughs> for, for somebody who does that kind of look and does the kind of TikTok scenario, <laughs> to be a, such a wee midfield battler, a scrapper, a digger, mm-hmm. A real fighter, he just his desire to have that ball pretty much unmatched in the team, and teams will find that hard because he's got ability, but he loves to win it back. Yeah, and I think we saw that from from both Jack and Raskin both that they were both involved in terms of breaking up any kind of even attempt at an attack that Hibbs had. Um, it was really effective there. Yeah, Raskin's marking a field that league on a six row. He reminds me a wee bit Ferguson, and that he always goes looking for the ball and always gives an option. Sometimes mm-hmm. with Fergus Barry, that is, it was a bit of a curse as well as a blessing. Took it when he shouldn't have and always demanded it. My Bob Barry, he was called. But yeah. Raskin goes looking and creates wee angles and, and it means we've always got an out ball. So the blend of that midfield is pretty good as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The only the only possible downside you see is Jack's record and we're not going to get another. You're, you're going to miss games. But on the basis of that, if we can get him, as I said to you the other night, the medical to end all medicals and try <laughs> and get him a clean bill of health. 
I would, I would give him. Yeah, in terms of the players who are out of contract, I think he's certainly the one I'd definitely like him to keep. As you say, with a proviso, if we can keep him actually fit for, for <laughs> part of that. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, we, we were dominating the play from that point, and uh, we eventually managed to add the second through a fantastic run from Fashion Sakala, puts a cross in, and it's the, the easiest tapping of tappings. We had a couple of chances before that, in particular, Borna had a fantastic volley that was saved by an equally fantastic save from David Marshall, but this, this second one was coming. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like watching Rangers, sometimes you feel the goal's never going to come, and Mm-hmm. We create and really get the chances, but we just piled the pressure on. Hibs just could not live with us. Pressure was starting to turn and knew that they had ceased to carry a threat. They didn't really carry a threat, and it was just a matter of time before before we made the breakthrough. Yeah, and uh, we go into half-time, two and up, but we're looking much the stronger for it. I don't think there'd be any complaints if we were up at about four by that point. Um, so we're looking well. That's great, but we have seen this before. Rangers have a good half. What comes next? A shit half, right? So this was something that Beal actually spoke about in his post-match. He explicitly told the players, you know, we need to keep this going. This is exactly how we want to be doing this. I want to see the same second half. And for a change, Rangers actually delivered on that. We come straight back out of the traps. And as you alluded to earlier, Jack sets up Fashion Sakala. I mean... the, these moves, some of this passing that we were seeing, we had really intricate play just around the Hibs box. Um, they they looked like they were completely out of it by that point. You know, they were just watching Rangers pass the ball around them. But it's a fantastic finish and well deserved for for Sakala as well because uh, I think he'd been contributing a lot to this game. I <laughs> get a man in a match, but could quite easily have got a three out of ten in the papers. <laughs> some of these decision making and some of these touches, you think, have you ever done this before? And then. His goal, the great return, send the keeper just give the keeper a fraction of a second decision to make, which opens up the space for the goal. It was a threat all night, direct, running, always making angles. Hibbs gave him space to operate in, and he just kept kept getting at them. He's uh, he's starting to become, he's certainly for me now a fixture in the first team, and one of the first names you look for, because you know with fashion, you're going to, even if he's having a bad day, he'll still create mayhem, and he'll still cause something to happen. Plus, what? it's just fucking entertaining to watch. Well, I was going to say that, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, guy who plays with a smile on his face, and Sakala's always playing with a smile on his face. Um, and yeah, the, the chaos that he can bring is uh, is certainly appreciated, because sometimes we need that. You know, we, we've had periods in our recent past where all of our attacking players have been quite steady and exactly what the opposition kind of expects. You know, it's kind of one-dimensional, so... Having him in there definitely represents a uh, a new kind of uh, challenge for any defence. Definitely, definitely. But just just on that, it made me a point. I was going to make the obviously Portis been away sort of good and good in the respect that it kind of calmed the game down. I thought it was a pretty timid Tibbs performance in the sense that there was no really a lot of shit. How there wasn't any usual diving with kicks. They didn't really time waste. They played a straight bat, and that's obviously what you do it to disrupt your rhythm because we get out of rhythm and stayed there. Yeah. Because Hibs had played quite a straight bat, and there was none of the usual sort of spoiling tactic, we, we went to floor him. I just I, I thought it was quite pronounced how little of that there was from Hibs. You know, the usual feel the contact in the back, go down, fall yeah. the trailing leg, 15 minutes of eye kick. They just seemed to play it as a kind of normal game, and obviously Portia sets the tone for that. Not having him meant they didn't do it as much. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, they've been a particularly poor run of form since Porteous went out either. You know, four wins in the last five games. They've been on a great run of form and they're 
kind of deservedly fourth. You know, they've kind of cemented yep. that position for themselves. But yeah, uh, this game, you could tell what he bring to their defense and certainly where they were lacking because they looked shell-shocked. It's only six minutes after Sakala gets his goal that he actually helps set up uh, the second for Cholak. Uh, again, you know, we're just seeing all this intricate passing around the box and eventually uh, Cholak gets the shot away, gets the double. Um, given that he hadn't scored since October, you know, this is an excellent kind of goal for him to get because confidence already high because he's got his goal but to get the second to get the double he he must be feeling pretty good at this point and for me in terms of how he's been adding to his game the um you know the link up play despite apparently being a player who doesn't really link up that much i think that's been much improved in terms of his um his recent performances and I think some of that came from Sakala playing up towards the top with him. We, we saw, you know, there was a lot of movement up there. Ken not really playing out in the wing. He's, you know, quite inside. Cholak looked like he was drifting out to the right a lot, and Sakala was actually playing through the middle a fair amount. So there, there was a lot of movement up there, and I think that just freaked Hibs out quite badly. Um, Portius or not, I think the way that we were playing, the way that we were moving the ball about made it, a bit terrifying for them. But, you know, a well-deserved second goal for Cholak. Absolutely. As you say, he's, he's leading the line now. He's not a patch of Morelos when Morelos is at it. And not many, not many have to do with Morelos does. But Well, Morelos this season isn't a patch on, you know, well, that Morelos either, you know. Oh, uh, there's a whole podcast episode we can mm-hmm. devote to him. But for Cholak to behold the ball up, working bringing to play, it's one of the hallmarks of that type as well as being a good finisher. He needs to do the work to create chances. He's doing that. As you see, the, the movement is interesting. He seems, Bill seems to have settled in a midfield E, but up top it seems to be more of a kind of <clears throat> one-two rather than a two-one or a three, if you know what I mean. So it seems mm-hmm. to be Ken and Ken with two ahead of him. Yeah. Whereas yeah, before yeah. it's been somebody central with two wide or uh, two tens and one up top. And I think switching that and having two essentially in the attacking goals helping is because it's a bit less, it's a bit more fluid and less predictable for teams. With four three three, sometimes you can kind of get boxed in, wee bit or boxed out rather, probably the best way to put it, when there's two banks of five and there's nobody in central areas. I thought Warburton's team was especially guilty of that because he stuck so rigidly to the three. And I thought Gerard and Beale suffered for that as well at times, especially in the low block where you had three. The ball was getting slow time. It was very predictable and teams were able to shut us out. But this uh, seems to be posing teams a new challenge. It's another thing up his sleeve. It shows that Bill's not slavishly wedded to a philosophy and he's happy to keep his principles or kind of bore attention and intensity but change the, the setup and use the players at his disposal. So it's it's another positive in the, the kind of rose column feel that for me. Obviously I've been and certainly think he needs at least another season. I know there was some criticism after the cup final but performances like that sort of erode my fears even further if you know what I'm saying. We'll try to talk Bill down here but no, of course. It, it, it gives me confidence that we are able to impose new challenges. And certainly some a lot of that comes from the introduction of Raskin and Camwell as well, right? You know, so if you theorise that he'll have the summer to hopefully get some more players in, uh, players that he wants, um, and can maybe try and impose some more of his style on the team, you know, that can, that can, in theory, only lead to positive things, right? Absolutely. You see the difference in Raskin and Cantwell. The energy, the, the difference, the different angles they make, the runs, the different things they give. It's rejuvenated the team a wee bit. It's like any workplace, I think. If you don't invest in the infrastructure of the work, don't invest in new equipment, kit, tools, 
There's no new staff members coming. That's what the squad's been like. It's been a kind of underinvested in workplace for the last couple of years. And those that <laughs> the the sort of the personnel have been supplied have increased standard. They certainly have to come up to standard right away. Even Lundstrom and Sakala mm-hmm. didn't hit the ground running. These two have came in, hit the ground running. Like any workplace, I keep saying this, and I think people separate football from their own lives a wee bit too much. It's like any work, the new energy, new vibrancy, new chat in the dressing room, and for opposition, who's this guy? What's he going to do? Yeah. If they play, if Hibs players are looking at Jack, Arfield, and Kamara, they know what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas that's a first encounter we're asking in Cantwell. All right, he's got a bit of steel about him. Okay, oh, he's moving quite quickly. But this is a different challenge. So the whole thing's just been gave a bit of, a bit of life and. Aye, we need a big window. We'd probably at least eight in, and we're probably going to lose eight to ten. So hopefully it's more signing in this way, led by Bill, rather than the usual mm-hmm. that become accustomed to getting served <laughs> up by the board. It starts, so right? I, I think I think that's the main point. You need um, you need players who can come in and start straight away. No more projects. No more long term uh, kind of kind of players. We're looking for players who can come in and make an impact, like Raskin and Campbell have for sure. Thanks. Exactly, exactly. Like I say, you know yourself, get a new person in work. They're quite good. They're quite sound. They're like them. That's good. The whole place has got a lift and you get somebody in who can't cut it. You're carrying them and it just takes kind of poor morale. So yeah. Yeah, these two yeah. have definitely lifted. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the way that we were playing, we, we looked like we could have scored more. Um, you know, I think in, uh, in the post-match that... Was saying that we could have scored, you know, eight goals as opposed to just the four. And in terms of the chances we made, we're not going to go through it shot by shot because we had eleven shots on target to Hibs one. Um, we we were certainly dominant throughout the game. The only stat that Hibs are actually ahead on was fouls to our fifteen to our five. So, you know, a, a good a good performance from us in terms of how we controlled the game. I think we set the tempo after that initial setback and didn't ever really let up. I think after the fourth goal from our side, tempo did drop slightly, but not noticeably, and we were still moving the ball about, still creating chances. The only other real thing of note that occurred for us was that on the 77th minute, uh, we make a quintuple substitution with um, Lundstrom, Wright, Arfield, Morales and Hadji coming on for Campwell, Ken, Raskin, Sherlock and Sakala. So, you know, Basically, as much change to the squad as you can make. I think, from my perspective, you know, I was talking through the game with my dad. The only thing we were more surprised about was that it didn't come a little bit sooner. So maybe inject a bit of energy. Uh, but what was your take on that, man? Yeah, it's, it's fairly unique. And did all five come on at one time, eh? They did, pretty much, yeah. I, I think of... Arfield and Morales were slightly behind, but that was just because they could only uh, process so many in one go, you know. Uh, speaking of the chances, uh, I, I had to flick to Hibs TV for a second because uh, my holiday to <laughs> uh, be cut short. So flick Hibs TV and there's commentator said the difference tonight has been clinical finishing. And I looked at the stats at that point. I think it was four <laughs> shots, four hits. The stats kind of bridges, four Hibs incursions into our box to our 33 <laughs> okay, Phil does make clinical finish and it could be four each, but it could also be 27 4 if we took your chances. In terms of shots, they had four to our 31. <laughs> so that, you can see the imbalance there. I don't, I don't, I don't, certainly, clinical intervention for that guy was mad <laughs> the perspectives. But uh, I, the other thing on that from Ken, I've never known a guy. Where there's been such a mismatch in his skills, like pace, he's quick over distance, he's quick over short distance, he's trickery, 
his skill, his creativity, his passing. His passing's pretty good. His passing's maybe seven, eight or ten, and others maybe nine or ten, but he's so good in so many respects, yet complete and utter shit in front of the goal. <laughs> I can never remember such a mismatch in skills. I know, it's like, wild. I think you're you're used to a player just being kind of consistent all overall in terms of, yeah. of in terms of their ability. But yeah, his his shooting is pretty woeful. And it's not for lack of effort or anything either. You know, he, he's clearly a, a guy who does a lot of work in terms of his technique and, and what he wants to do. So there's talent. It's just, as you say, bizarrely absent in one fairly critical area, you know? He's, he's so good in so many respects. And I would, I would keep, uh, I love what he brings to the team. He's good to watch. He's exciting. He gets people at their seats. He's what you pay, he's what you pay to go to football for, for a player like yeah. that. He's drawn comparisons with loads of periods of his time here and certainly in individual moments. You've got to go over that. Was, that was really good there, Ryan. You're coming up there. And then he gets in the box and somehow manages to backheel it away for goal instead of shooting. <laughs> or shoots wildly over the bar when it's harder to get it that high. It's such a baffling mismatch. I really don't know. I don't have any solutions. He's the epitome of a kind of jigsaw player. Just falls to pieces in the box. I wish we could fix it because he would get... It should be getting fifteen twenty a season. It should get four the other night. No, I know, I know. Um, I mean, there there were a, a couple of long range shots that he had, one of which never looked like it was going to bother Marshall. But you know, he's he's been a player, especially over this season, where uh, in fact it's probably unfair to pick out this season. Pretty much every season he's been with us, he has never been particularly prolific in front of goal. Um, always pops up with an assist. Always, you know, creates chances, but. Yeah, actually putting them away, uh, not so much. It's a mystery to me. It's like I play FIFA with my daughter and obviously got the cards with the stats. It's like 99 shooting. Sorry, 99 for shooting. That's, that's yeah. the only thing I think about the guy. But it's just yeah, none, nonetheless, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. He he could have had more, but in terms of what he brings to the team and if the rest of the team is going to contribute in such a way, then you can absolutely carry someone like Ryan Kent. That's not a problem yeah. at all. Where, where Kent's biggest sort of not well, his biggest problem is shooting obviously, but where I think he goes under he goes unnoticed and people slate his numbers because I've written numbers and stats. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's good at the assisting the assister. If you notice a lot of your goals, Kent will do the run, beat two or three men, give it to Bomb and cut it back and it gets tapped in. And he'll beat two or three men, work a one two, doesn't come off but it breaks the Tav who shoots and scores. So Kent creates the situation but then somebody else just Walks in and takes the assist, if you know what I mean. So his assist numbers look cool, poor. But without him, we don't have anything like the creativity. So, aye, for my money, we need, we just need to get him better fucking shooting practice. Yeah, um, it, it's the second assist, right? So that's that's getting into stat nerdery, um, which you don't have time to do on this podcast, unfortunately. But no. I, I think in, in terms of the subs who came on, I think it, it's an interesting kind of group of players we've got Hadju's coming back from long-term uh, fitness issues we have uh, Lundstrom who's probably out of out of favor at the moment or at least um, someone who might maybe needs a rest Morelos probably in the same category Arfield coming back from injury and then Scott Wright as well um, Mildman's convinced that Scott Wright's the harbinger of doom whenever he comes on it, it's you know us giving up but I, I thought of all the five that came on, he was the one who contributed the most. Still looked like he was had plenty of energy there, wanted to get things moving, get things forward, and made a couple of decent runs through. So, I don't know what what was what was your take on on the subs there, Dave? The for me, I sometimes get a bit worried if you bring on too many on time. It can kind of disrupt the rhythm. But mm-hmm. at that point, I, oh, even as a Rangers fan, you're still nervous at four one up. 
Their team <laughs> clearly beaten, one off the pitch. But at that point, they were passing each other. They were just trying to kiss the kid and hoping yeah. the snow started to fall harder so they could get away. Uh, you're still going, did they score? It's 4 2, Jesus. <laughs> it's just the condition to that. But nah, Alex Bright, he's pacey, takes men on, looks to create. He's a perfectly good squad player for Sunday coming and mm-hmm. games against the bottom six where he can sort of sub him in for Kent a wee bit and reduce the minutes against legs. You're getting pace and a bit of trickery, but you're not getting in, like the quality Kent levels. But yeah, I think he's got a, a place in the squad. Good to see Hadji's going to do. Hadji needs the rest of it to get back up to speed and then a full pre-season, I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Arfield, we just need to keep him ticking over because he'll come in handy at some point this season. He will. Arfield's, I think, certainly for the last season or two, has been an, a fantastic option to have off the bench because we know he can make a difference, but... Uh, Never as a starter, I don't think. We have seen him coming in to start a game. I don't think he is as effective there. But I agree. I think he's a great option to have um, as, a, as a bench, for sure. Yeah, I feel he'll get a wee run again season and he'll play and he'll start a few and he'll come on and he'll get two or three goals, definitely, because that's what it does. So just need to keep him ticking over. Uh, Morelos as well, just need to keep him ticking over because he's, again, probably going to get a run in the team. And... There's still a cup to play for two firms, so I don't think Bill's writing him off at all. I don't think that's the case. Uh, just need to keep him, keep him hungry, taking over sometimes. And Alfie does get a wee bit annoyed. That's when he produces his best work. Absolutely, raging buffalo. That's what we're after, right? Yep. So uh, yeah, that's that's the game finished four-one uh, to us, and uh, I think as we said at the start, probably our best performance um, overall, like over a ninety minutes that we've seen from this team this season. Um, I was quite happy with that. Dave, this is the standard we should probably be trying to aspire to hit for the rest of the season now, right? That's it for me. This is the this is the default Rangers performance we became accustomed to under Beal and Gerrard. If Mad Cow just flipped him and he did it as if Beal was already <laughs> the manager. Uh, that was the hallmark. We had good spells, intensity, aggression mm. on the front foot, completely dominant in midfield, snuffing things out and being inventive in attack. And that for me has to become the the hallmark, the standard performance, if that's where, if that's what we want to do is win the league. We need better players to participate in this, obviously, but that has to be intensity and standard. And really, the only thing for me is, the only downside is I thought half an hour left, we scored the fourth. I thought, we're going to get five or six here. I know we had the ball in the net, but I thought we were going to go and get more, just kind of like a finishing post, isn't it? Yeah, I think, certainly, as you say, that the changes that we made probably did disrupt the team somewhat. But, yeah, it's a comfortable win overall and uh, keeps us ticking along on the road to the end of the league. So, up next, we've got a quarterfinal Scottish Cup tie against Wraith Rovers. Uh, it's an interesting one because, typically... And no disrespect to Wraith Rovers, but in a game like this, you'd, you'd probably see a fair bit of squad rotation. But in terms of the way that the games are laid out, you know, we've got the game now not happening till the weekend. And then after that, you've got a full six days before we play Motherwell uh, at lunchtime. So that there's there's not really a massive benefit, you'd think, to, to doing wholesale squad changes. Um, but how do you take that one? Well, what would your approach be, I guess, is, is what I'm asking. See, my approach, and this is something else that kind of stood out to me post-game, because obviously Campbell Raskin came in, Scarlet played well, and I've seen a bit of chat, and I said, no, well, we don't need Tillman. <laughs> right? Well, exactly. Like, we're going to need, the star trap people for it, if I can write, I need a first 11, 12, 13. If you look at, if you look across the city, they've got two or three good quality players in key positions. 
Mm-hmm. So we need that. We need we need uh, Haji, Cantwell, and Tillman because injuries, loss of form, rotation, big runs of games. You need three players in that role. We need three. We need Jack Lundstrom and another for in there. Raskin might be that one. We need probably another midfielder in there. You need right Sakala, Kent, maybe Lowry if he plays there. So for me, it's not necessarily rotation in the sense of getting likes of defining that in. But we could play comfortable second slash kind of guys or structure. So Suter, for instance, might get, I think he'll come on if the game's won. Uh-huh. Um, Yilmaz might get 20 minutes at the end. But getting Arfield in the team, getting Morelos in the team, bringing Tillman back, maybe getting Lowry and Hadji in there as well. So we can rotate and play quality without necessarily going the full road of putting in complete fringe players who, who aren't really contributing and risk it. We're at a position where we've got that five or six in the bench who you think might be game changers so we can get them minutes mm-hmm. and it is a balancing act saying in this pod we need to take minutes out of the, the Kent's Morelos's Taverniers during crucial periods but likewise you need minutes in the legs of Arfield and the legs of Lundstrom so that if they're called upon they are a wee bit sharper so I think he'll mix it up I think we will see a few changes but I think it will still be a recognisable Rangers first 11 rather than some of the lineups. I think Mr Geode did that a few times when he played quite substantial changes. Like I don't think you'll see King, for instance, at the weekend. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. So uh, a good number of these, uh, certainly the defensive players, um, played midweek in a uh, in a B team game. Um, you know, we had the likes of um, of King and Suter playing as well as Divine and uh, Yilmaz as well. So I think they all started for the B team. I uh, got got a solid 60 minutes in there so it'll be interesting to see if he's done that with a view to starting one or two of them uh come this weekend um again keeper options do we go with mclaughlin is it mccrory's time for for a chance and the striker option as well um does does morales get a look in here or or is it still cholak and run this good run run of form so it'll be an interesting one it's certainly going to be um It'll be interesting to see what he does uh, in terms of that because, like you say, this is probably our best chance we have now for for silverware this season. So um, it's it's not a life or death one, but it's certainly a must win for sure. Absolutely. I mean, we've got a relatively straightforward tie. They're something seventh in the league. Not been too great. They don't concede a lot, but score a lot. It'll probably be two 0 three 0 type affair at most of the time. But uh, we've got. A, Home tie against Celtic have got a banana skin. So mm-hmm. there's a non-zero chance that we might end up as the only one of the old firm clubs in the cup. So we need to be taking it seriously. And I think the minimum to salvage anything for this season is to go and win it. So you can't see the cup's a must win because it's a hard thing to do and it's a lottery sometimes. But I think we very much as a club, as a support, the board need it. Albeit I'll still want rid of them whether they win it or not. But I think the whole place just... <laughs> Albeit the, the place needs the lift of... Well, I think we just need to avoid competing for trophies, isn't it? We need yeah. to believe that we're going to be in the mix and uh, we can go the distance in cup to go the whole distance in cup tournament right up the stairs at the end. Mm-hmm. And we need that belief. So, aye, it needs to be seriously, albeit on paper, it's the closest you'll get in a Scottish Cup quarterfinal. I give me, I think. He says, yeah. waiting for eggs to hit him in the face. <laughs> Exactly, Dave. You're just going to curse us here, man. But I, I completely agree with you in terms of how the tie is. You know, we've got Cali Thistle taking on Killy uh, this afternoon as we record this. So, you know, spoilers probably by the time folk are actually listening to this one, you will know who's through. Um, and then the Hearts Celtic game, obviously. And then Falkirk versus Air. So, 
you know, the, the the two strongest teams with ourselves aside are are also playing in a quarterfinal. So one of them is dropping out, and you know, it it makes the tie quite open and quite on paper at least, you know, much more straightforward in terms of a route to the final. But we shall see. This is Rangers, so we alluded to it at the start and uh, during this pod. Um, <laughs> but there's there's always a reluctance to get too hopeful, you know. <laughs> We've been hurt before. So I, I was thinking before I came on, obviously people know on Twitter I like to catastrophize and sort of prognosticate the worst, but the way the team's set up now under, since we came back up to the divisions and Gerard came in, cup shocks have been shocks, but we're, we're structurally quite sound, quite dependable, I think we can see chances, the midfield's strong. I, I just can't see any any way we'll go out, especially at home. Tell all league side, albeit with big foil a bit against Arctic, but uh, I've just got enough of it, isn't it? And we're not in that mentally vulnerable moment I think you need to be in to be the victim of a cup shock. Good sides don't tend to get put out. Sides that are confident don't tend to lose to low league opposition, so nah, I'm about as confident as I get. <laughs> I mean, if that's not a ringing endorsement, folks, I don't know what is. Dave's feeling a bit confident, you know? I'll take my youngest daughter to her first game. She's three and a half, so she's coming to her first game. She's a bit ready to get her, the rest of her young life spoiled by Rangers. <laughs> so if, if it doesn't go to plan, because she's obviously a region. All right, well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, it's Dave's daughter's fault if we lose this one, so hen- send all your abuse that way. Yeah, um, she's, she can go under the bus. <laughs> Right. Um, well, that that just about does us now. Uh, you know, it's um, it's going to be interesting. We'll obviously have the international break coming up um, after our tie against Motherwell. So I think the plan is for us to do a bit more of a deep dive into some of the issues that we've had around the boards, their strategy so far. Obviously, things on the pitch look pretty good right now. But as anyone who's listened to this pod will know previously, we, we've got some concerns about the uh, the board's direction and strategy so our plan is to have a longer form pod uh, during that discussing that and going into some more detail about that uh, dave what what are you planning to bring to the table for that one or is this going to be a scattergun well, gun everything's a problem well it's actually my birthday at i'm 40 during this international break so my birthday present from you guys can just let me hold forth on the pod for an hour at the board <laughs> just an hour of fucking ranting that's that's the best present I think I could ask for. Well, the best present that the Rangers would actually act on what I say during this pod, and don't sue me for it. Well, there you go. Right, we can we live it eternally in hope. I'm sure, but we'll see. Anyway. Folks, you'll have that to look forward to. Um, obviously, we'll also be covering the uh, the Cup game and then the subsequent Motherwell game as well. We'll have previews and reviews on uh, both of those. Whose team is it anyway continues to come out. Uh, this, uh, this coming Wednesday, we actually have the last episode from the archives will come out. And then we'll be into the new stuff. Uh, myself, Iddy and Scott are cooking up a good few further podcasts with various other English Premier League podcasts so we'll continue discussing the world's best Premier League 11s and we'll see how that comes out Dave I'm pleased to say that your episode stat wise still holds up as one of the strongest ones that we've had so far so you know um, I wouldn't say it's a personal reflection on on the on the individual in question all I will say is that Chris Betts one is still one of the lowest uh, listened to pods on the network. And I would encourage anyone listening to this to, we always want people to listen, uh, like uh, subscribe to all the podcasts. If you could do that, but leave out Chris's one specifically just for my own entertainment, that would be great. 
Yeah, because it's probably just him picking his own best team and then moaning about them and pointing at their flaws. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. So, yes, uh, Dave, thank you again, man. Uh, highly appreciate you coming on. We uh, had a fun scheduling situation ourselves, so uh, this, is, uh, this is a bit... Uh, rushed together in terms of how we were able to record this and do it so dave i want to thank you very much for giving up your time for this one man it's much appreciated cheers mate pleasure thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, to everyone listening uh thank you for listening we uh we hope you're enjoying it we're always welcome feedback uh we encourage you to like share subscribe tell a friend tell a mate uh tell people you don't know that they need to listen to this podcast because every little bit of it helps you can also reach out to us uh by emailing contact at saturday at three.co.uk uh where other lovely iddy will uh take in any of your questions queries comments or even if you are interested in coming on for a show or anything like that you know more the merrier as far as we're concerned we are on every single social media and uh, podcast feed going. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. We've even got a YouTube that appears to be making some growth uh, despite our complete lack of ability in promoting it. So uh, anything that you can throw a like, share, subscribe on uh, across any of those platforms would be highly appreciated. We'll talk to you again after the cup game. But until then, you do well. We hope your team gets a result over the weekend. Bye for now.